Hello, hello, hello. Happy Monday. I am Marlita Hill, and this is the Kingdom Art Life, where we are building harmony between faith, art, and career. In the past couple of episodes, we've been talking about relationship, about getting in touch with what God wants in relationship with us and what we think we're involved in in relationship with him. In episode six and seven, we talked about how this harmony between our faith, art, and career that we've been pursuing has to start with us and God having a unified understanding of what our relationship with each other is about and understanding where our career life fits in that relationship. Now, I'm assuming that if you've come back to listen to episode eight, you're ready to move forward in this relationship as we've been laying it out in these past couple of episodes. In this episode, I want to look at how this all-in relationship is lived out, particularly in our career life. So, let's get to it. The first thing for us to establish is that when we come into an all-in relationship with someone, that relationship is not confined to one area of our life. For instance, if we have a boyfriend or girlfriend, our life with them is not just confined to our work life. It's not just confined to our life at church. If I have a best friend, my friendship with them permeates all parts of my life. So an all-in relationship with God first of all, is one that permeates all parts of your life. God did not invite you to a career. He did not invite you to a calling or purpose. He did not invite you to a church relationship. He invited you to build a life together, to walk through that life together. And in the course of that life together, there will be career, there will be purposes that need to be tended, but that's not why he invited you to relationship. In the course of being together, there are things he'll need you to do for him, just like there are things you'll need him to do for you. But you guys aren't in relationship with one another just because of what you can do for each other. You guys are in relationship to build a life together, a life of shared vision, shared purpose, to walk that life together, and to enjoy each other as you walk that life together, even while you're doing career and even while you're tending purposes. The biggest barrier to living this all-in relationship is our misconception of what it looks like when we actually try to do it. I think we can all agree that relationship with God has been presented to most of us in a less than desirable way, and out of that, We feel like relationship with God is just too tedious. There are too many rules, too many things that we have to do that we can't possibly fit into our already overwhelming schedule. We don't have time or the energy to pray or read our Bible for three hours every day. We don't even have time for one hour. I mean, we want to get to know God more intimately, but we can't possibly measure up to what we think he wants from us nor do we want to walk around feeling guilty all the time because we failed him. Another thing we're afraid of is what we'll lose if we agree to go all in. Does does all in mean that I have to leave my career and become a missionary for poor children in Uruguay? I mean, I don't knock being a missionary, but that's not my walk. Will I lose creative control? Will I lose directional control over my art and career trajectory? Does this mean that I won't get to experience the career life I've worked so hard for? 
I mean, it must because there's no way that this is the career life for me that God would be pleased with. Will I get my hopes up and trust in another person and be disappointed again? Because I can't take another person not doing what they said they would do. I just got myself put together from the last time. I'm in a good place. And if that happens again, I don't know if I'll be able to recover this time. Family, these are all misconceptions. True, they are misconceptions that didn't appear just out of thin air, but they are misconceptions nonetheless. And we have them because of what we've been taught or what has been presented and demonstrated to us. But that doesn't mean that they're correct. Matthew 11.30 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your soul, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. The message translation says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. In Hebrews 4, in the Amplified Version, it says, So there remains a full and complete Sabbath rest for the people of God. For the one who has once entered his rest has also rested from the weariness and pain of his human labors, just as God rested from those labors uniquely his own. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest of God, to know and experience that rest for ourselves. Listen, life is difficult. Life is difficult. Difficulty doesn't suddenly come because we're in relationship with God. A different form of difficulty is introduced when we get into relationship, but difficulty itself is simply a part of life. The beautiful thing about being in a relationship with God is that he makes us overcomers, victorious. He says, I'll show you how to get where you want to go without it destroying you, breaking you down along the way. Walking with God is supposed to be the easiest healthiest, most restful, most nourishing thing that we can do in this life. It's simple. It's supposed to be simple. Just follow the voice. Live your life and be attentive to that voice. And when he speaks, follow it. That's it. There's no stress, no strain, no ritual, no quotas. Just live and follow the voice. And when God wants more than that, he has no problem asking you for it. To follow that voice with confidence, we have to change two things. One, our perception of where he is, and two, our perception of his interest in the everydayness of our career life. 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of the living God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? 1 Corinthians 6.19 says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, 
and you are not your own. In the Message Bible, Deuteronomy 30, verses 11 through 14 says, This commandment that I'm commanding you today isn't too much for you. It's not out of your reach. It's not on a high mountain. You don't have to get mountaineers to climb the peak and bring it down to your level and explain it before you can live it. It's not across the ocean. You don't have to send sailors out to get it, bring it back, and then explain it before you can live it. No. The word is right here and now. It's in your mouth and in your heart. Just do it. Following his voice is not something difficult to do. And it's not something that you have to strive for or work hard or deny yourself something to do. Think about text messages. The beauty of text messages is that they're easy to use and people are generally always able to respond to them. And I don't have to do a whole lot just to ask a question, tell a joke and get a laugh, say I miss you, ask you what you want for dinner. I can just reach out. And it has this sort of immediacy that kind of feels like we're just sitting right next to each other in a way that's very different from the formality of a phone call or an email. There's no prep time, no waiting until I have a block of time that I can set aside to call you, no making sure I'm in a place where I can hear you or where I have privacy. I can just text you, just like I could say something to you if you were actually sitting next to me. Now imagine this times a bajillion trillion because God actually lives in you. So he is actually always right there. So all you have to do, say what you got to say. And when he talks, all you got to do is listen. That's it. Now, sometimes texting is not enough. I need a longer period of time, or I have to talk to you about something that's just too deep for text then I tell you I just need to see you or have a phone call, and God will do the same thing. If he needs more, he'll tell you. The second thing we have to get over is our perception of his interest in our daily life. Our tendency is to think that there are too many bigger, more important things going on in the world, and why would God care about the paint that I use? My question to you is, Of all the bigger things going on in the world, why would anyone who cares about you care about the paint you use? Because they care about you. Psalms 56.8 says this about God. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You've recorded each one in your book. Psalms 39.1-6 through says, O Lord, You have searched me and known me. I'm an open book to you. Even from a distance, you know what I'm thinking. You know when I leave and when I get back. I'm never out of your sight. You know everything I'm going to say before I start the first sentence. I look behind me and you're there. Then up ahead and you're there too. Your reassuring presence coming and going. This is too much too wonderful and I can't take it all in. Is there any place I can go to avoid your spirit, to be out of your sight? If I climb to the sky, you're there. If I go underground, you're there. If I flew on morning's wings to the far western horizon, you'd find me in a minute. You're already there waiting. Then I said to myself, oh, he even sees me in the dark. At night, I'm immersed in the light. 
It's a fact. Darkness isn't dark to you. Night and day, darkness and light, they're all the same to you. Oh yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, you're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration, what a creation. You know me inside and out. You know every bone in my body. You know exactly how I was made, bit by bit. How I was sculpted from nothing into something. Like an open book, you watched me grow from conception to birth. All the stages of my life spread out before you. All the days of my life prepared before I'd even lived one day. Now, does that sound like someone who wouldn't be interested in the mundanity of your life and career? Luke tells us that God even counts the numbers of hairs on our head. That's how into us he is. So what does all this look like in our career life? Creatively, he might tell you, throw a little yellow right there when you're painting. He might say, swoop that line to the right a little more. In the dance studio, you might do a move and he might say, turn your head to the right when you do that next time. Cross your right leg over the front instead of the back. Business-wise, We go on auditions, we're signing contracts, we're making decisions, we're hiring people, firing people, making choices between locations, we're doing all kinds of things. And the Holy Spirit might whisper and say, go talk to the lady in yellow. You know what? Don't sign that contract today. Go stand in the front on the left for this audition. Before you go on that audition, put on that purple shirt that you have. Ask that man about optioning your movie. Ask him to explain to you what that is. Socially, he might tell you, ask that young lady to lunch. Bring your boss flowers. Write that actor a card and bring it to him tomorrow. Stop by your agent's office and just just ask how he's doing. Now, some might say this is all too weird, too religious. And I say, no, it's not. If someone was sitting right in front of me, a colleague that I respected artistically, and they told me, hey, you should try putting some yellow right there, I would look and I'd go, oh, okay. Or if I was in the dance studio and I had a colleague sitting right there watching and they saw what I was doing and said, hey, you know what? The next time you do that, you should try putting your head to the right. I wouldn't think that was strange at all. So why would I think it's strange that God's dialoguing with me like that? Psalms 139, 17, and 18 says, How precious also are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. Guys, he is God. He has enough capacity to handle the issues of our world and talk to you about the colors you use in your sketch. I started two Kingdom Art Life home groups, and one of the things that we talked about is how do we develop this intimacy? How do we begin to hear God like this, and how do we develop that confidence that what we hear is actually Him? Well, let's talk about the confidence issue first. I was taught that the Word of God, the Bible, trains our spirit to be able to recognize when the Spirit of God is speaking to us. For instance, I could tell you that your mother said something to me about you, and depending on what I say and how I say it, 
you can tell me whether or not that actually came out of your mother's mouth, if that's something she would actually say because you've lived with her. You've gotten used to the way she speaks. You've gotten used to the kinds of things that she actually would and would not say. Well, the Bible's the same way. It helps us understand the kind of person God is, the kind of things he would and would not say. Another way to look at this is, if there are a crowd of people talking and my mother says something, even if she were far away from me, I would recognize her voice because I know what that voice sounds like even in a crowd of people. Why? Because I've spent my life listening to that voice. So a crowd cannot disguise my ability to know when my mom is talking. And God is the same way. The more you spend time with him, the more you recognize his voice when he's talking to you. The other issue is, how do we begin to even develop this intimacy with God in the first place? And my question to you is, how did you become close to any of the people that are in your life now? The same way you became close with them is the same way that you're going to become close with God. He is God, yes, but he's a person. The same way you would develop intimacy with any person is the same way you develop intimacy with God. So over this next week, I want you to really think about what were the things you actually did to get to know someone and to become close to them. And what are those same things that you can use and do to get to know God and get closer to him? Some of it's just working on our awareness that he's there and that he's not something that we have to put on or take off. And if we forget to put him on like, like a coat, then we don't have him with us. For some of us, it's just about developing the confidence or getting over feeling silly that I could just start talking to him without the formality of having to block out time, find a quiet space, put my hands together, get on my knees and pray that I could just talk to him because he's right there. I could be in the middle of a sketch and just talk to him. I could be choreographing and looking for a step and just talk to him. I could be looking at resumes and just talk to him. One person in one of our home groups said she started talking out loud about everything when she was by herself. This is how she started to practice the fact that somebody was actually there. So talk to me. How easy is it to receive God's attention and interest like this? I mean, isn't that what we all want? For someone to be that interested in the things we're passionate about? to be ready to hear about them whenever we're ready to talk about them and every time? What is it like to think about that? Like, can you receive that? Can you, can you take that in as a reality for you? Is that going to take some mental rearranging? Talk to me. Thekingdomartlife.com. Click on episode eight. I'll see you in the chat and I'll see you next Monday.